Please turn in your Bibles with me to our text. So we'll be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verses 12 to 18. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verses 12 to 18. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses 12 to 18. Please then hear with me the reading of God's Word. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Thus far is the reading of God's Word. That question that Solomon asks back in verse 3, that question, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun, is the question still being answered here in our text today in verses 12 to 18. And what we see is that verse 12 of our text really serves as an introductory statement for what follows. As he says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And he inserts that here, that statement here, to show to his readers his qualifications. Right? That if there is anyone who is able to search out by wisdom all that is done under the sun to find true happiness, it is Him. It is Him. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, this is what we are told about Solomon. Solomon asks God, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? And what follows, we're told this, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for this. And God said to him, because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life, or riches, or the lives of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. One chapter later, we are told this in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breath of mind like the sand of the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east, and all the wisdom of Egypt. And finally, in verse 34 
of 1 Kings chapter 4, we are told this, And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And so we see that that verse 12 establishes Solomon's credentials as someone who is to be believed on the basis of his own experience when he tells us, right? when he tells the, the hearer about the utter vanity of wisdom. Right? Solomon had wisdom that none of his contemporaries enjoyed. And what Solomon found was this, that the more wisdom that one got, that it did not nor will it ever suffice to make one happy. This is what Solomon discovered. This is a a lesson then in humility that all people need, isn't it? And yet it's a lesson in humility that not all people get. Throughout the the generations, we have people who believe that through human wisdom that they can solve every problem that we as human beings experience, don't they? They think that it can be done. They think that there's an earthly answer for everything that plagues man. This is why we keep creating medicines, right? And more medicines and more medicines and more medicines to to satisfy all the issues that all the people of the world are dealing with. This is why they keep stacking up degrees in school, right? Applying themselves to the quest of discovering the answers that plague the souls of men. But as Solomon himself applies his heart, to search out and to seek out right, all that is done under heaven, what does he conclude in verse 13? That it is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. In this statement here, we, we see now Solomon's apologetic aim come out once, once again, don't we? Right, he's addressing the frustration that every child of man who sought true happiness and contentment in this world has had to deal with. He's saying it can't be done. Right? It's futile to try. But man does not heed the warning. Right? He continues persistent in his stubborn heart, hard-heartedness right? like a man who's trying to beat his head against a brick wall thinking that one day he will get through when inevitably he will always fail. Right, man thinks that the wiser I become, the happier I will become. But what Solomon discovers is that the, the very opposite is true. It's like striving after the wind, he says. Let me ask you this. Have any of you tried to wrangle the wind before? We probably all know a little something about that. If you've ever dropped a piece of paper on the ground on a windy day, or maybe a plastic bag, and what do you do? Right? You, you try to grab it. Right? And as you go to grab it, the wind blows it away. And then you chase after it and you try to put your foot out to stomp it so that it wouldn't fly, fly away. And by the, the time you do that, what happens? The wind again blows it and it goes away. And you run after it again and it, it continues to happen until you say, uh, forget it, I'm not going to chase it after it anymore. Right? That's what it's like here for the children of man in trying to search out through wisdom all that is done under heaven. And why is that though? Well, ultimately, it's because of sin, isn't it? It's because of sin. That phrase, the children of man, is a reference to all of those who by nature are children of Adam. And now, who suffer the consequence of the fall. They suffer the consequence of sin. Right? Remember what we just read earlier in chapter 3 of Genesis. 
What was the serpent's uh, promise to eat in the garden? He says, if you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it's able to make one wise. But what does Solomon discover? That in fact, it has not made us wise, it has made us all fools. Right? Sin has caused all of our human faculties to be corrupted, doesn't it? Our intellect, our will, our affections have all been corrupted by the fall. And as a result, right? Uh, man by his, um, by pursuing things under heaven by his wisdom will never be able to find it. Likewise, what also has it done? It's brought creation under the curse as well, hasn't it? And so man's pursuit to find happiness under the sun then is a, is a worthless endeavor because man can never recover that prior state of innocence that we were in prior to the fall. When man was created upright, when man had knowledge of God, when all things were good, when we enjoyed things lawfully, and when man did not have to struggle with toilsome labor. Right? No amount of human wisdom can, can now bring the, the human condition back to its pre-fall state. And that's why it's, it's vanity to try. And in particular, Solomon discovered that it's vanity for, for two reasons. And the first reason we read about in verse 15 where he says this, what is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. This will be our first point this evening, and we'll call it crookedness. Right? Crookedness. As a result of the fall, what has happened? Our minds have been darkened by sin. Right? We come into this world as broken people. Right? We come into this world as people who have defects. Right? We suffer from defects. Right, what the world tells you that you come into this world as a, as a blank slate is false. Right, we come into the world broken, darkened by sin, full of defects, and we have no power to change our condition. This is why human wisdom then is not sufficient to discover what we need, no matter how much effort we put into trying. Right, our nature is not only opposed to God when we come into this world, but our own nature is opposed to our own happiness. Do you understand that? When we come into this world, we come into this world not only as enemies of God, but we come into this world as enemies of ourselves as well. Using human wisdom then to find satisfaction under heaven is like trying to make a, a crooked branch straight. Right? It's something that, that cannot be done. Using all of our wisdom combined cannot add up everything that we want to make sense of in this world. Because we have sin-darkened minds. And all that knowledge that man attains in this world, it puffs up, doesn't it? But it doesn't make one wise. And it puffs up, but doesn't make one wise. And understanding this, then Solomon wants us to go to God now, being sunken underneath this despair. Right? Realizing this truth. Knowing that true happiness will never be found unless we are first made sensible or made aware of our own crookedness. Right? We need to understand that we are crooked people and only then can we run to Christ because we might know then that although we cannot fix our defects, although we cannot fix our brokenness, that Christ can. Right? We know that Christ understands our frustrations. Right? Christ understands our defects. He knows our powerlessness to, to change our condition. But what we lack, Christ supplies. Jesus says to His disciples in 
John chapter 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Where has Jesus overcome the world? He's overcome the world on the cross. And see then, it is the cross and faith in He who laid down His life upon it, which is the only way in which the crookedness of man will ever be made straight. Right? This is something that the wisdom under heaven will never uncover. Right? This is something that needs to be divinely revealed to man by God. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. In verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. In verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. May may we see our our need to apply our hearts to seeking and searching out Christ and the cross. Let us learn our need, our desperate need, to study our Savior who is wisdom incarnate. If you ever hope to escape the misery of the unhappy business of the children of man. Right? Because in Christ we find true happiness. Right? In Christ we find our, our purpose here on earth. In Christ we can discern spiritual things which the natural man is never able to answer. In Christ we learn why things happen the way that they do. In Christ, He then takes away the frustration of the never-ending quest for answers. You know why that is? It's because Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer. And so we see that Solomon discovered that, that crookedness is one hindrance to man's use of wisdom to search under heaven for true happiness and true contentment. You can't do it because we are crooked individuals. The second thing then that Solomon discovers is unpacked for us in the final three verses. Look with me starting at verse 16. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after the wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. This is our second and our final point then this evening. And we'll call this point more knowledge, more problems. More knowledge, more problems. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been told something? Have you ever been told something that you wish you weren't told? Have you ever been told something that you wish you weren't told? Because... Perhaps it caused you to look at someone in a new light that you did not look at them before. And it was much easier, right, before you knew that information, right? Life was much easier. And now that you find, that you know this new information, you oftentimes find yourself irritated and annoyed, right? Why? Because that new information that you have been given has complicated your life and, and is something that you are constantly thinking about. It takes up space in your mind. 
Right? You can't get it out. And it only creates more questions that cannot be answered. Well, this is exactly what Solomon says he discovered in searching out wisdom under heaven. Right? He thought to himself, the, the more progress I make in wisdom, the better off I'll be. Right? The, the more progress I make, the, the happier I'll be. The more progress I make, the more all of this world will make sense to me. But he found out through the progress of wisdom that in fact it didn't. All it did was multiply his grief. It multiplied his sorrow because all it did was make Solomon more aware of all of life's troubles and all of life's problems. It seems like that statement, ignorance is bliss, it is true in a sense here, doesn't it? For what does Solomon say in verse 18? For in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases in knowledge increases sorrow. And it's not as if Solomon gave little effort in his endeavor, right? Like, like many of us do, right? We want, we want to search out the answer to something. We try a little bit. If we can't find it, we give up and we forget about it. We never think about it again. But that's not what Solomon did. He applied his heart diligently to the study of these things. To both wisdom and to madness and folly, we're told. Now that phrase, madness and folly, is not to be understood as two different things, but rather two different terms describing the same thing. Right? When we think of madness and folly, think of something like law and order. Right? Two different terms describing the same thing. And so what Solomon is trying to do here is contrast wisdom with folly. And now he says he, he searched out to, to study madness or folly, or not to think that he, he searched out the, the study of, of things that are crazy, right? but rather this, this phrase, madness or folly, uh, conveys the idea of pursuing pleasures, and in particular, pursuing immoral ones. Right? This is the same way that it's used later in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. If you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and in verse 3 we see the, the same way that it's used. There we read, This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Right? So what Solomon did is that Solomon pursues wisdom, and then Solomon throws himself in all of the, the carnal and earthly enjoyments this world has to offer, right? thinking that he can, through one of the ways, find ease in this life. But what are we told here? That it was striving after the wind, which is to convey to us what? The utter impossibility of finding ease in life or rest for the soul in, in either of these things. And maybe, brothers and sisters, that's something that you yourselves have experienced. Perhaps many of you in your youth right, threw yourselves into all sorts of carnal and, and earthly enjoyments, thinking that you're going to fill some void that you are missing, that you're going to find some answers that you want answered. Perhaps for others of you, you have used your life in the pursuit of knowledge. But maybe it's knowledge of the world's religions or knowledge of human philosophy or knowledge of science, thinking, if I study these things, I'm going to discover the answers that man have longed to have answered. But in both cases, 
I think what we've all discovered is that none of them helped. Right? None of them helped. Maybe they, they mask our issues and our problems for a time. Perhaps they act as, as a band-aid, but those issues and those questions kept bubbling up and arising up and we never had answers for them. But that is because they were searching out answers in the wrong things. Right? We're searching out for answers for the wrong things. This is the problem with our world today. They continue to persist in looking for those answers in everything under the sun instead of looking above to He who reigns above the sun. Instead of trusting in their own capabilities, what does God call us to do? In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Right? This world, and perhaps too many of us, take up too much time studying the wrong things. Too many neglect the study of the One in whom we need. Right? People have a thirst for knowledge, but oftentimes it's not right knowledge, is it? People want to accumulate a lot of knowledge, but what they know will eternally do them no good unless they first come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. In John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus says this, And this is eternal life, that they may, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ in whom you have sent. So see what, what Solomon could not find through the use of human wisdom, and what you and I will never find through the use of human wisdom, Jesus provides. Right? He brings joy into the hearts of the saints. Right? He will cause you to learn contentment. He will establish your heart secure in Him. He will make your souls happy. And He will bring satisfaction to them and make them to be satisfied. And now because of this, it is this wisdom that comes from above there to, to guide the people of God in every single thing that we pursue below. As Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Brothers and sisters, may each one of us continue to grow in that wisdom that comes from above so that as we are presented before Almighty God, we would not stand before Him in frustration and in sorrow but rather that we would stand before Him in peace and maturity. Right? A peace and maturity that only comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for revealing these things to Your people that You have shown to us and made sensible to us of our own crookedness and our need for the Savior. We are thankful, Father, that the Spirit has convicted us of our own sin and, and caused us to, to flee to Christ for our salvation. We pray, Father, that You would continue to show us our need to seek out and to search and to apply our hearts to the study of the wisdom that comes from above, for that is what will truly benefit uh, all of God's people. 
And so, Father, we come before You this evening asking all these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen.